Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And we got a Q&A today. We got a couple quick announcements. Um, the first one is to go check out the tube that is the YouTube channel. And uh, we are officially into YouTuber mode. We're going to become YouTubers. And I'm excited about this because I get to say tuber way more often, but also because the video is dope. Super sick. I'm really excited, really happy with how it turned out. And it actually makes me excited for the next one. Like now I'm like thinking and just waiting, you know. Um, but I've gotten good feedback on it already. I've had a few people, you know, hit me up and text me and say they really enjoyed it. Um, Lee hit me up and because I, I sent it to him, I was like, give me feedback because he's really into YouTube and he had a lot of positive feedback. Nope. Actually, no negative feedback, which, nope. which was good. Um, but it's really cool. We're doing like edutainment. So it's going to be very much so like um, it is a vlog-ish style. So it's very much so like if you go on YouTube and you watch like the day in the, day in the life of an entrepreneur, day in the life of a trainer or a bodybuilder, it has that feel, which to me, like that's like that's YouTube. You know, YouTube, like a true YouTube video, in my opinion, has that vlog feel to me. Um, or it's just a straight up instructional, like yeah. how to change your oil. And it's a very fucking just step one, step two. Um, so we're taking that style, but we're giving some uh, entertainment or, and education with it, right? So we're teaching different things. So this one is how to intensify your workouts. Um, and it was not a pleasant day for me in the gym. Um, so you get to see me do something I don't typically recommend because I did five different intensification techniques strictly on my arms in one single session. So you should use one method. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the whole point is like take one of these methods and use them once per session at most. Um, but these things can help you speed up your workout. They can just make it way fucking harder, more challenging. And a lot of them too are fun because it's a good way to challenge yourself in the gym without adding a bunch of load. And sometimes challenging yourself too much with load is what really, uh, you know, taxes your nervous system and can not damage. I don't want to say damage. I mean, it could lead to injury, but really just gets to your joints more, right? You're going to have more aches and pains when you do too much load too consistently. So it's a really cool way to intensify your workouts and the style of the video is extremely entertaining and educational. So please do us a favor, go check it out. Um, go like the video, go subscribe to the channel, help us with the algorithm. We really want to grow the YouTube channel because it allows us to do exactly what we're doing here on the podcast, which is deliver more long form content. Instagram's not the best place to do so. Twitter sure as hell isn't. And Facebook is just not something I'm interested in. So we are going back onto YouTube. So knowing that you guys guys like the podcast because you're listening to me talk right now i think you would like the youtube channel as well so once again uh hit the link in the description cody or McBroom. just yeah search cody mcbroom on youtube uh go subscribe to the channel and like the video um the second thing i was going to bring up i think would just be and maybe we do we figure out something kind of honestly like vlog style to do with this too uh but like I'm going through a cut and one, it would give me more accountability to talk about it on the podcast and do a video about it. But two, I think it's always cool for people to see it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely more motivated this time because I actually have a reason because we're, we're go going to be recreating, relaunching, redoing some stuff with the tail trainer. And I'm really, really, really excited about that. You guys are going to love that. It's a very big project, but for that we had to, we didn't have to, but we wanted to restructure all the video, all the pictures, everything for Teo Trainer so that it's not miscellaneous stuff. It's like the same style of camera, lighting, everything. Um, and I have a couple months to get ready. So like, why not get shredded? So we're going to do shoot at the end of May, which means I have like literally eight weeks. Um, and we just hit the pedal down today. So um, 
I was just going to kind of keep people posted with what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, uh, the process. Cause I think people like hearing, you know, and even I was writing about it in my newsletter and I had a lot of people responding and actually signing up for coaching because they wanted to do something similar. And they saw that number one, I think it's important that I actually fucking do what I'm talking about. Like I practice what I preach, but number two, to have a methodical approach to it. Right. So I did hire somebody to come in and help me with this because, um, on the nutrition side, especially on the physique side, when you're getting really lean, sometimes you just need a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the first person to make excuses and reasons why I shouldn't pull calories out of my diet because I like food a lot. Uh, so I need somebody else to tell me to do it that I'm paying and I don't want to waste my money. So that's a big point of it. But um, we just went through, he calls it a feeder week. We call it a primer phase, which is actually cool. So Jackson, he's actually, I'm interviewing him next week for the podcast. Um, he has his PhD, he's a bodybuilder. And it's cool when I talk with somebody that has that stature of education and we do the same kind of shit. You know, we take everybody through a primer phase, uh, which is basically like a, he calls it a feeder week, but it's basically like, Hey, let's take a week. Some people it's even longer, especially if they respond well to it. Um, and we have a lot of time. I don't have that much time. So we spent one week, but we actually bring calories up a little bit, clean up the diet a lot. So my first move was actually increasing carbs and fat. So my calories went up. I brought protein down a little bit and, uh, and I just got more meticulous beforehand. I was eyeballing meat. I was eyeballing veggies. I was, measuring anything that was calorically dense that I knew I couldn't be super intuitive with. Um, but if it was a potatoes, I'd just be like, that's like a medium potato, you know, what is a fucking medium potato? Who knows? But I didn't really care. You know, I wasn't dialed in. And if you want to get more meticulous to like really, really see progress, you got to dial things in. So, uh, first week spent time just, uh, getting my step count tracked. So, um, I got a step counter, which is actually really funny. So I, I Amazon searched step counters and usually you see like Fitbits, Apple watches, um, aura rings. And I've talked to a lot of people like, man, I would love the aura ring, but it's $600. I don't know if I want to buy it. Um, and I get that, but my step counter is 20 bucks and it looks like a, I think I showed you yesterday, right? It yep. looks like a pager yeah. or like a diabetes, like insulin tracker thing or something. Where am I at? I only got 2,300 steps. My day is not very active so far. But it looks like a little tiny. Yeah. Just keep it in the pocket. And the crazy thing is, is this is more accurate than an aura ring. The more and more I researched it, and after having Menno on, because I talked to him, uh, or I, I listened to him talk about this. You have like this. a progression of step counters. Oh, God, I know. You're, the Apple Watch, I actually like the Apple Watch because of all the functions. Yeah. But my eczema breaks out every time I wear silicone around my wrist. Yeah. So I stopped wearing that, and I got the aura ring because I liked it for the sleep. But then... You know, a lot of the, the problems. That's with not the, an aura ring? No, this is, those are black diamonds, son. Oh. This is just my wedding ring. Mm. I'm actually wearing a wedding Don't ring. Don't call again. me son. <laughs> Sport. Um, <laughs> son is like New York slang. Yeah. I've been watching that Wu-Tang show somewhat yeah. too much. But uh, I was like reading more and more on this, the step counter feature of aura ring. And it made so much sense because like when I switched that, I was like, oh, I get way more steps than I realized. It was like saying I get like 12, 13,000. I'm typing all day. Uh, so when I'm moving my finger, it's probably tracking steps. And wow. that's what one of the complaints was about where it's placed because it's sensing movement. I'm like, Touché. Well, no shit. So yeah. if it's in my pocket, it's literally only getting my legs, which is more accurate. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shake Just it. Bobbing your legs <laughs> all day. Stepping my feet under the desk. You got 45,000 steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so I, I basically just was like, I had seven rock stars today. <laughs> no shit. I'm, I'm just immune to them now. Yeah. But I, uh, so the primer week, I basically brought my carbs, calories up, and then I brought uh, my steps. I just tracked them to see where my baseline is at. And uh, funny enough, I actually dropped, uh, 
half a pound and I've been just like steady at 175 for like weeks and then I literally just dial things in. It's just to show you like we do primer phases with clients for a couple of reasons. One, if we get everything consistent, we, we dial in consistency and good habits and data to get accurate before we actually make any adjustments because I don't want to adjust your diet if you're not even accurately tracking your diet, first of all. Second of all, when you clean things up, you're eating, like I'm prepping my meals again, I'm eating like less ingredient foods, just kind of keeping it bro. I can track things more accurately and I'm being more precise. You end up actually having better sleep, better digestion, better movement. I just feel better because everything's cleaned up and I lost half a pound, which for me is a decent amount, you know? So um, for people listening, that primer phase is great because you start potentially losing fat and getting leaner and building habits without being in a deficit, which is an added stress. So we do those things without the stress and then it primes you mentally and physically to step into a diet. And then when you tweak the diet, you create the deficit, you respond really well. So we did that half of last week because I was in St. Louis for the first few days at first form. And then I came back, dialed it in. And then as of today, we dropped calories and upped steps. So I'm adding a little bit of cardio um, and uh, dropping calories. Let's get it. Yeah. So it's time to time to grind it out. I think I dropped 450 calories. So a pretty, pretty good chunk, but we got eight weeks. So it's like no time to baby around. Yeah. And I think it's good too, because a lot of times people make like, I, I never make a 5% adjustment to calories at the beginning because a lot of times people adapt so quick. I'll drop calories 5% and you feel it because you're eating less food, but your body doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And now you're just pissed because you're not losing weight and you're eating less food. No, like just make it happen. Like let's just diet 10%. in. You know? 10% is actually usually what I make when we're like five to 10% are like the adjustments I make when we're into it. Like 15 to 25% is the first initial one. Because you've been at maintenance, it's like we got to make an adjustment to get you yeah. down, you know. Um, and I'm increasing my step count because uh, I got a treadmill for the house. So it's like I can actually walk when it's raining and shit. Don't. Yeah, we're, we put it like a little Can't bit. Can't walk when it's raining? You melt? I fucking hate the rain, man. <laughs> I agree. It makes my hair frizzy. I'm just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fine. No. I actually go on a walk every night. It's not raining. I just don't want to be fucking miserable in the rain. Yeah. But – um, but Shannon hates training here, bro. Like when we got the cameras going and everything, which I get like, cause when, when we're shooting, I'm like, dude, get pictures of everything, yeah. family, me lifting. And I don't even think about it anymore. You're just kind of like sitting there snapping, but I think she's like awkward about it. She doesn't like it. So we put uh, some like dumbbells and a treadmill and then that assault, extra assault bike we yeah. have in the garage. Dope. So I'll use it, but I'll keep you guys posted with the cut. The plan is to get eight weeks to get just absolutely fucking peeled. I'm going to post on my story, like my first progress picture probably today or tomorrow as like week one. Um, I'm already pretty lean. So it's going to be interesting. Like I haven't got like super, super lean in a couple of years. So we'll be fun. Yeah. We'll see how it probably goes. Probably 2019. 19. Yeah. When we did the shoot at the claw. Bingo. Yep. Yeah. That was the last th- time. That was what I was thinking. And my goal is, and I, dude, I still have. And this is what's cool about doing this stuff. I st- so I have all the, obviously all the pictures of it, but I still have uh, my tracker and stuff from back then too. Mm. You know, I was working with Chris Bearcat. I hired him to, to help me out with that. And it'll be cool because I can see if I can get that lean again, which will be, pr- that was pretty fucking lean, but I weigh more. It means that I did a lot of good work in the last two years. It means I put on a lot of muscle, but yeah. if I get down to that weight and I'm just as lean as I was, I'm going to be pretty disappointed, Yeah, you know, but if I get to that weight and I'm leaner then great, you know, but nonetheless, I have to either be that weight and even leaner, or I need to be, um, heavier in that weight. And I think I would have to lose 15 pounds, maybe even up to 20 pounds to get that light, which is a lot of weight for me, 20, 15, 20 pounds. Could you put that much weight on? 
I put a lot. I put Doing 16 pounds yeah. on in my bulk, which some of it was fat. But I think if I lose 15 pounds, I'll be pretty peeled. Yeah. Which is the goal. That's Fuck what I yeah. want to do too. Um, in eight weeks? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot in eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like uh, like the risk of muscle loss is more likely if A, you're not training, or B, I was being as aggressive as I am for eight weeks for 16 weeks. Gotcha. So eight weeks is short enough to where it's not going to do that. Um, that's why they call it mini cuts. They're totally fine to go really aggressive. But if I was doing a, a mini cut style like this aggressive and I was doing it for 16 to 20 weeks like a normal fat loss diet, I would start losing muscle yeah. and getting weak and hormones would get fucked up. And so I think it'll be fine. Dope. I'm excited though. Cool, cool. All right, let's move on to the Q&A. We got the first question today coming from Denise Domshi. Says, I feel like I have meant for I am meant for more, quote unquote, but not sure what quote unquote more is. Do you have any advice on feeling this way? Yeah, I think I think there's there's two situations here. Like number one, sometimes it's like Sometimes you do know what more is, but you're too, you have too much self-doubt and not enough self-belief to actually go after it, right? But I think there's other times where you don't, and, and I'm an example of when you don't. And it used to feel weird to say this, and I think more is all relative, right? Because absolutely, I look at certain people, like when I think of like, I'm here to do more, like I think of famous fucking people, mm. but I have people who talk to me and they're like, dude, what you're doing is absolutely insane. And it's, it's literally, there's just like, there's just levels to it. And even being famous doesn't even mean you're impacting people. You know what I mean? So what is more? You're on a fucking screen. You know, it, I don't, it doesn't. More than who or more than what? Exactly. Yeah. It's so very relative. It's very relative. But I, I, you know, I always had that same exact feeling. Like I remember, uh, towards the end of my high school, it, I was in a, like, I, I didn't like school. So I, I knew it wasn't like more, wasn't going to be like me going and becoming a scientist or something. Um, it wasn't going to be going to some big college or anything, but I knew that's why that clothing thing was what it was to me. I was like, I'm going to make like a, one of the next big streetwear companies. Yeah. Like that was the thing. And then that didn't, didn't go anywhere. But I always had that weird feeling of like, I know I'm not supposed to just have the normal nine to five. Like I just know I'm supposed to do something different. I know there's something about me that has this urge to get, create, achieve, do, impact more, but I don't know why, I don't know what it is, right? So, yet. Um, yet, and that's the whole point. So if you don't know yet, I think the best thing that you can do is say yes to everything, honestly. Um, that's something I can't do now. Kind of just to discover what that is. Exactly, yeah. I think when you get to, there's a certain point in everybody's career where you can't say yes to everything because your time is limited right and it's very precious so i i said yes to everything for years though even when i was like okay this is my thing this is what i'm supposed to do i would say yes to everything you want to get on a call cool let's do it you want to do a podcast yep let's do it you want to meet up at the gym yes let's do it like yes 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 because i was like i want more people to know me more people to see me more people to learn from me more people to share my shit like it was just i need to do more period so if i say yes to every experience possible cool you want to go on a trip for some seminar? Yep. I don't even care what it's about. If it's fitness related, I'm there. You know, it was just anything. Um, now I can't do that. But I think in your situation, you just got to say yes to more opportunities. Because if you have no idea, then you got to say yes until that pops up. If you have somewhat of idea, but maybe you don't have like the niche idea. So for example, I knew I was going to do something more and I knew it had to do with fitness. But I didn't know exactly what that looked like. So I just kept saying yes and 
learning and taking on as much opportunities as I can within fitness and nutrition as I could until this came became reality, totally. right? So I think to an extent, you just got to keep saying yes. I think to another extent, you have to like somewhat eliminate the self-doubt, eliminate the negative self-talk because a lot of times people in this situation, the reason they don't know what it is and maybe they're not getting the chance to uh, discover. discover or explore paths or anything like that is because they're constantly stopping themselves from doing anything. Yeah. They're constantly stopping themselves from taking action or believing that they can even achieve stuff so they don't take on opportunities. And I think that's a big issue too. So more positive talk, more uh, being present, more value towards yourself, more appreciation towards yourself. And really just like, I, I said it in that talk, it's like having a semi-ignorant level of self-belief. Like that's the biggest thing is like just knowing that there's really no reason why I can't do anything. Period. And that's where I, where I drive a lot of motivation from is usually people not even in my industry. It's people, that's why I talk about Rob Deerdeck and people like that so much. Cause I'm like, you know, and this is why the first forum trip was so impactful for me too. Cause I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This place is massive. There's a barbershop over there. There's cubicles everywhere with people talking and laughing and doing stuff. There's like uh, two cafeterias. There's an auditorium. There's like this game. There's like video game station, like arcade shit. Like there's a football field inside. Like there's just so much shit. And I'm like, you're a supplement company. Yeah. Nobody does this. Like why is this thing? It's like, well, he knew that there was more in store for him in one way or another. Right. And Andy obviously eventually figured out that it, it was more than supplements too. I think for him, it's more of like a, a political stand and like, um, just trying to change the way people think or something. I don't know. Cause that's like where a lot of his podcasts go. Like we talked about that. His podcast is very split. I listen to more of the Q and A's, which is very much like business leadership, entrepreneur talk. Um, just cause I don't, I don't enjoy listening to pol political shit too much, but I think that the point I'm saying is, is like he had no reason to believe that he could accomplish all that shit, yep. you know, but he did. Why? Because he eliminated self-doubt and he just kept going forward with self-belief. And I think that's a, a lot of what people need is just to believe in their own hype more. You know, like I talked about in that uh, motivation is bullshit real. If you haven't watched that, go to my Instagram, watch it. And it talks about this. It's like motivation is bullshit because it's, it's like NAS. People expect to get motivated by listening to me talk and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go get it now. And, and you will feel like that but it just slowly fades away, yeah. right? Anybody uh, who's gone to a seminar knows that too. You go to a seminar for the first week when you're home, you're riding a fucking high or like our team meetup, yeah. you're just riding a high, but it does taper off. You have to constantly take action on things to consistently put yourself in that motivated state. Yeah. And it's from your actions and your results that create that, that motivation for yourself. Totally. And I think that's a good point to talk about. Like when, at that team meetup, we did that. We did our daily dirt challenge, mm -hmm. and that's one thing to continue that kind of that high on for X amount of times. But another thing is we have a team meetup twice a year, mm -hmm. so you you know eventually you know four months goes by, you only have you know eight weeks, and then you have another yeah. Team so you're meetup. getting it's, it's that chemistry and yeah, that. you're getting amped up for the next one. Yep, and I know I'm sure at a certain point in time it'll be more than two. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to. But. It's like. But I think it ultimately boils down to you putting yourself into daily routines, taking Definitely. action on things daily, because that's what ultimately, that's what creates an internal motivation. If you're relying on external motivation, it's just going to taper off. It's funny, Brad uh, posted a reel about the same shit that I did mm. on the same day. I don't know if you saw that, mm -hmm. but he, the way he framed it, I said NOS, like you hit NOS, oh, yeah. you're going, yep. and then it tapers off. He was like, uh, 
relying on motivation is like filling your hand up with water yep. and he like showed his hands under the sink and it's really clever right you fill up your hand with water you got some water in there but, but after a little bit it just seeps through the cracks yeah. and it's gone and that's exactly what it is so um the same thing applies with figuring out what you're here for, you know, uh, and there's, and a lot of times there's no really good hack or answer for it. You got to kind of just do deep work. I Take think action. that, you know, whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever, like I believe that everybody's here for a reason. And I'm assuming this person does too, because if you are like sitting here going, I know I'm supposed to do something. I know I'm here for a reason. Yeah. You probably believe most people do that. There's a higher power that is determining what the fuck we do. Yep. Like, why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? Why do I have to take action this way? Why do I, like that, that whole soul purpose thing I sent you, yep. like that was really eye opening for me. And it, it teaches you a lot when you start really trying to figure out like, why am I here? What is my soul purpose? You know, and I sent that to you and in, in a very small group of people because of the workshop I'm participating in, but I did it and I didn't mean to do this, but it was actually really smart. And, and this would be a good exercise for people listening to do is I sent these individuals who knew me really well. And I also respected their opinion. I knew they would be honest with me. I asked them what my sole purpose was, what they thought my sole purpose was. And it was a longer question, but that's basically the gist of it, right? And I went into it saying that without any expectations, which actually kind of surprised me because when I thought about it days later, once I started getting responses, usually you would send something like that and you'd start thinking like, I wonder what they're going to say. But I really just sent it out and then I just went on to my next task, thankfully. So I didn't really overthink what, like get my set expectations for what I wanted to hear or anything like that. And dude, the the alignment between everybody's answer was so fucking cool. Mm. It was really powerful because it taught me what my sole purpose was. It yeah. made me feel like I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it gave me permission to do it even harder, yeah. you know, and to believe in myself more. Because if all these people literally are saying the exact same thing, none of them know that they're all getting this question. Some of them don't even know each other, literally. Maybe they know who they are, but like there's people I sent to that you know of, but you don't know them. Mm-hmm. You don't know that I sent it to them. Yeah. I don't know you sent it. So it was really, really powerful to to see that. But it just reassured me of like, okay, you're doing the right shit. Like, go all in on it. Keep going, you know. And I think for, for this person listening, maybe that's how you start. Yep. Ask somebody. Ask multiple people. Don't tell them you're asking. What What do you think I'm here for? What is my sole purpose? And the way I framed the question was something along the lines of like, um, I'm participating in this you could say mindset practice. I'm doing workshops. That's what I said. And uh, I need to reach out to people I care about, friends, family, coworkers, people like that, and ask them what they believe my sole purpose is. You can give me a short answer. It can be long. It's totally up to you. I just need to, I need your feedback on what you think my sole purpose here is on earth. And just see what they say. Touche, man. I'm going to probably use it as like a, um, as like a team building thing in the future. Mm. I thought about it uh, a lot with like, you know, certain people on the team are growing into certain positions eventually as we grow this company. That's a really good way to figure out where, what direction do we take you? Yeah. How, how do we build you up? Yeah. How do we like really capitalize on what you do best? Love that. Figure out what your sole purpose is. Yeah. So. Dope. Yeah. That's a good answer. All right. Let's move on to the next question. It comes from Vicky Janes. It says, recently I've seen more and more promoting HMB supplements. It's not one that I'm familiar with, but they said it was backed by science. Curious to your thoughts on this supplement and what exactly it is. It's complete bullshit. Um, Damn. Fuck, I can't remember what it stands for. If you want to Google that real quick and just yep. see what HMB stands for. But it's uh, it's it's kind of like an amino acid supplement essentially, but it's it's... Holy sh! Hydro, hi, hydro, hydroxymethylab. 
butylate. Dude, I can't say butylate. that. Butylate. Hydroxymethabutylate, I think is yeah. what it is. Butyrate. Yeah. Rate. There you go. Um, so HMB was a supplement that came out a while ago. So I'm surprised you're just now seeing stuff about this. It is not a popular supplement anymore. Yeah. Hydroxymethylbutyrate, I think is what it is. Yeah, but HMB, that's what we say. Okay. It's essentially a muscle builder is uh-huh. what, what it was uh, proposed as. And it was created as a supplement. And then somebody did a research study on it and they saw insane progress made from strength and muscle tissue. Um, the problem was, is the researcher was full shit and he like literally completely doctored all of the research. I can't remember why he did it's it. It's not either. a good look. No. His name was Jacob Wilson. He got uh, like basically like just fucking, he was a really well-known researcher. Damn. I re- he was in uh, one of the, the original Generation Iron. Um, he did a lot of stuff with Ben Mikulski way back in the day because they were both from Florida. I don't think Ben associates himself with him anymore. <laughs> um, Ben's a really good dude. Very smart. Um, very successful bodybuilder. But he worked at one of the uh, colleges as a professor in Florida. I don't think he works there anymore. And he had other good research and he put out a lot of good content for um, bodybuilding.com and a bunch of places. I remember reading a lot of his stuff way back. And then this one came out and it was just insane. Like you would have thought people were on steroids. And basically that was the case. Like they, they doctored the results. I don't know if steroids were involved in the study or what, but basically I know that it was not a good look. Um, and it kind of put a bad taste in people's mouth about that researcher specifically. And long story short, nobody takes, sells, or purchases that supplement really anymore. Mm-hmm. So anything you see on it is complete bullshit. It's, uh, it's not science-based. The only study that it's based on positively is a bullshit one. Yeah. So, um, I don't, it's not bad for you. It's not like it's a negative thing, but it would be like saying that if you take a BCA supplement, you're going to gain 10 pounds of muscle in, you know, seven weeks. And it's just not the case. Like... It's not going to do much. There might be other applications for it, you know, like, uh, like for example, collagen is something that a lot of people, uh, some co- some companies try to like market as a way that you can use it for performance or hypertrophy stuff, but it's just not a good hypertrophy supplement. It is purely for health, tendons, ligaments, um, uh, skin, hair, stuff like that, gut health. And even that is like debatable. Like it's not, it's not a really well studied supplement. Huh. Um, yet it's definitely not bad for you and there's there's a small amount of research that points to potential benefits for joint health um but it's it's hard to say it's definitely not a muscle building yeah. one but same thing so hb is just not it's not worth your money or time touche all right we got the next one coming from anonymous it says hi guys what exercises would you suggest are best to work the side glute thank you the side glute, um, I mean, typically what, you know, if we're looking at anatomy, I want to say like you're actually looking at like your upper outer glute, which would be your glute medius, I believe. Um, I'm, I'm afraid to Google the anatomy of a glute. Actually, I'm not because I won't be mad at what pops up, but anatomy of the side glutes. glute. So, um, when we look at the glutes, um, here we go. Glute medius is, this, so the, the top outer side of the glute, like I was saying, the glute medius, that's probably what you're referring to. It, it does run down the side, but only about halfway down. And then we have the glute maximus, which is basically the entire glute. Like the glute is basically the glute medius and the glute maximus. And it's just like huge. And then we have the TFL, which is more of like a, uh, tendon that's like running up. We have adductors, um, which, 
can uh, adductors are in the inside of your thigh hamstrings at the top all these kind of things intersect but for the most part like we have glute minimus maximus and medius glute minimus is very very tiny glute medius is that top like they call it like the the booty shelf like it's like basically if you want your butt to look like lifted you want to train the glute medius glute maximus is basically like the whole cheek that's mm-hmm. like you're you're getting the majority of your work done yeah. so if we're talking rdls or hip thrust or any extension based movements the biggest muscle in the glutes is going to take over for the most part and that's going to be the glute maximus that's what most people train without even trying because if you do any type of hip hinge or hip extension reverse hyper um hip thrust glute bridge rdl pull throughs anything like that glute media glute maximus mm-hmm. Glute medius is going to be more of like hip abductions and like kickbacks. So a lot of people skip these things because it's like, one, you go to the gym, you want to lift weights. You Like you don't really like the any Audi machine is not like the coolest or sexiest or funnest thing. But that shit is going to help quite a bit. You can do band hip abductions as well. Yeah. You can do quad. I like quadruped hip abduction kickback. So we're taking like the glute kickback, which most people do standing. Um, but you can do a glute kickback straight back like most people do. So like imagine I'm standing and I attach the cable to my ankle. There's like ankle straps on a lot of cable machines. And I'm literally just kicking my leg back. Kind of like a reverse hyper, yeah. but with just one leg at a time, right? Yep. That will work the glute medius. But as soon as you get into a good, decent amount of hip extension, your glute maximus is going to take over because it's a stronger muscle and you're going into that hip extension. So if you were to incorporate more of the glute medius, you'd want to not just go straight back with the leg. You'd want to actually go out at an angle, which is why like when we were doing those uh, for the YouTube, like we were doing those like quadruped, I was doing kickbacks. Like I called them fire hydrants. It's like, a, yeah. like I'm like a dog yeah. lifting its leg. Yep. That's basically what we're doing. It's like back into the side because now we're doing hip abduction. So if we think hip abduction, we're externally rotating our hips. So we're basically like any Audi machine, right? You're just basically opening your legs against resistance. That's going to work your glute glute, uh, medius. That's going to create a bigger outer upper shelf on the glute. So what I usually suggest is full balance. You can't like if you want to build your glutes, you can't just do one thing. So your, your staple lifts are going to be your hip thrust, RDLs, and bridges. The way I like to do this is if I have, uh, usually it's women who want to build a better butt, we'll do a hip extension movement three times a week. So we're getting a decent amount of volume and uh, frequency just doing hip extension. So let's say we do four sets on each of those days. That's already 12 sets for the glutes right there. You're going to get a little bit of glute med and glute max on all those, but they're mainly going to be glute max. So this is going to be like, let's say day one is a heavy hip thrust. Day two would be, and they're not back-to-back days. Uh, day two is a heavy um, RDL. And then day three is maybe like a heavy bridge or pull through something like a, still the same movement pattern of a hip hinge, but just a different loading pattern. Yeah. And we're probably going to load it differently. So we might go like eight to 10 reps on the hip thrust. That's heavy. We might go like six to eight reps with a slow negative on the RDL. And then we might go like 15 to 20 reps on the bridge or the, uh, any other pull through, whatever we want to do. Then on those same days, we're going to add a hip abduction movement. So maybe day one, we do four sets of 20 reps on the hip abduction machine. Day two, we're doing like the quadruped fire hydrants where we're going out and up. And then day three, we're doing kickbacks with a little bit of external rotation. So a little bit more out to the side or even just straight up. You can do standing hip abductions with the cable machine. But either way, we're doing three days of hip extension for the glute max and then three days of hip abduction for the glute medius. Gotcha. You do that, you're going to your glutes are going to build and you're going to create more of that shelf. Cause yeah. a lot of people don't do a lot of hip abduction. Can you, can you do single leg, uh, kickbacks on a, uh, hyper? 
you can, but it gets awkward. Yeah. Because the when you pull, by the time you get up, the the weight will hit your other leg. Yeah. Unless you bring the other leg with it, but then you're kind of still doing. You might it. as well do too. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. So I've done it where uh, the hyper four glutes. Yeah. yeah. Glutes and low back. Yeah. It depends on how you position yourself. Okay. Uh, but I've done it on a on a uh, glute ham raise when people don't have a reverse hyper and attach bands to the bottom Ooh. and you can do them single leg with a band and just hold on sense. to the back of the glue hammer is yep. machine. So. Dope. All right. Next one is from anonymous again. It says, what are the, in, in your opinion, what are the best certifications for strength training and power lifting? That's tough. Um, I'm unaware of any good ones for powerlifting specifically, to be completely honest with you. I think, so I, I believe there's a USAPL certification, so uh, United States of America Powerlifting, or maybe it's United States Association Powerlifting. I don't know what it is. Or if it's just USPL, United States Powerlifting. I don't fucking know. It's one of them. Travis is going to find out. Yep. What is it, Jamie? <laughs> USPL is the United, uh, United States Premier League. Power. I think it's USAPL. Okay. Yeah. Okay. USPA Powerlifting. USPA. Oh. Powerlifting. United States Powerlifting Association. Oh, powerlifting is one word. There you go. It is. Um. Okay. So USPA. Um. Maybe it's weightlifting that I'm thinking of is that. But anyway, like I think there's a certification, but I'm not 100% sure if it's just a test or if it's actual course. So I think that's one where it's like you can take the test and there might be a textbook or something, but there's no like course that's going to guide you through it. So I don't know, to be honest with you. Strength training specifically, I think it depends on what you need help with. If we're just talking about like overall, how do I become the best trainer? I would probably go with uh, CPPS from Joe DeFranco and uh, James Smith, but they call him Smitty, uh, Smitty Diesel. They, uh, the DeFranco's basically cert, CPPS certified, uh, physical preparation specialist, I think is what it goes for. Um, I've actually, I got that. I haven't finished it yet, but I've gone through the curriculum and everything. It's really, really good. And I've trust, I trust him. I've followed his content for years. I've learned a lot from, uh, Joe DeFranco. So that would be a really good one. Um, John Russins is great. It is the, um, Fuck, I don't even, PPPS, I think, or something like that. They're all very, very similar. Uh, but his is more of like uh, basically preparedness from a warm-up perspective. So mm-hmm. his is all about understanding a, it's either a six or seven sequence dynamic warm-up. So it's how do you prepare somebody to train their hardest, their best, their safest, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's a really good cert. I've done that as well. Um, Joel, Joel Jameson's uh sh- conditioning specialist cert is great and it's specifically about conditioning so if you want to work with athletes fat loss aerobic anything like that or you just want to really learn the most as you can about aerobic fitness or conditioning in general that's the go-to for sure so there's a lot of different ones but i would say if i had to tell somebody hey you should do these certs i would go nasm personal trainer just to get a nasm cert because i think you know, it's the better one of them as far as I know. And I think that it's it's helpful to just do the baseline certified personal trainer cert. Then, and you can do it on your own pace. Then go to something that's more advanced like CPPS from Joe DeFranco. Then do something like John Russins to like just level up how you're sequencing your, your training. You're going to learn a lot of that in uh, Joe DeFranco's as well. Um, NASM PES is good too. It's the NASM Performance Enhancement Specialist. Um, that's more for like... I've done that one and it's kind of like once you do the general CPT stuff and you want a more advanced level of knowledge about training people, 
you go for the performance enhancement specialist cert. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good one. Um, but otherwise, I think honestly, a lot of it is study and experience. You know, experience. I, like I was talking to one of my clients about this the other day. The amount of programs I've bought and I still buy from other coaches and other companies is insane. Like just strength training programs. To dissect them, to... Yeah, to dissect them, get new ideas. And a lot of times there's an explanation inside there. So there's like oh, an intro, a like why, like what this program is about and the program. I want to see like, how does this guy's brain work? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't do it for just anybody. I do it for really well-respected coaches, you yeah. know? So reading a lot of books, buying a lot of eBooks, attending webinars, seminars, all that kind of stuff is always going to be one of the most valuable things ever. Yep. Experience is like, experience and self, uh, self, self-study is one of the most, two of the most powerful things that you can do to be a great coach. But I really like Joe DeFranco CPPS as like the one that I would do. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. We got one here. It is from Carrie Hines. It says how to decrease appetite. I know how to adjust volume slash macro density with food choices, but if I'm eating high volume at maintenance, I'm in trouble when I want to cut. Stop eating high volume at maintenance. And are you really at maintenance? I would, I would, I would consider this. If you're constantly hungry at maintenance, are you really at maintenance? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's two types of hunger that we have to be aware of here, right? There's, there's actually three types of hunger. There is hunger number one is a very healthy sense of hunger. This is how I am right now because I'm not like, well, well, we'll see tomorrow because I already have my meals prepped for today. So technically tomorrow my macros drop. But right now I've been fine because I'm eating at a comfortable amount of food. I'm hungry when it's time to eat because I eat at the same fucking times every day. So my body kind of just reminds me. I'm going to eat. Like I, I get like a little stomach growl. I could easily go two or more hours. Like I'm not starving, but it's just like, it's like, oh, it's that time. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a good thing because it means your body clock's on a rhythm. Yeah. And we want our body clock to be on a rhythm. Um, so that's one kind of hunger. If it's that, you have nothing to worry about. That's, that's totally normal. And that's not going to increase or decrease depending on your diet. It's just going to stay there because that's just your hunger signal saying, hey, it's time to eat. Um, it's manageable. Number two is psychological hunger. And this is where I would say don't jump into a diet anytime soon because you're not hungry from a, a physiological perspective. Your body does not need more calories, but because you've restricted in the past, typically is why, or maybe you have an abnormal amount of stress, emotionally you want to eat. And you're, you're constantly hunger because psychologically you're in a stressed state of mind. That's not a healthy thing. Then the third type of hunger is you're literally in a deficit. And so your body's literally like, I want more food. So if you are quote unquote at maintenance, but you're not dropping, or I'm sorry, if you're at maintenance, but you're constantly hungry and you're not like emotionally trying to go for food, you're just like, man, I'm like literally, I don't get full off these meals. You might need to reverse your calories up more would be my best guess. Now, how to increase or how to fix cravings is a different story if we're talking about dieting. If we're talking about dieting, the, the, there's, there's a few things that I always go over with clients. And before I start telling them like little hacks to help their hunger, the first thing I do in volume food is one of them. So like instead of having like chicken and rice and like bell peppers and stuff, which tastes great, you should have like chicken on a huge bed of lettuce and make a salad out of it with those calories because that lettuce is next to nuts. It's just crunchy water and it fills you the fuck up, right? So you can eat a lot of lettuce and it fills you up, but it's not a lot of calories. It's mm. an easy hack. So that's what she means by high volume food. Um, but before I get into like hacks like that with clients to cure cravings, I'm like, hey, first and foremost, we are in a diet. You're going to be hungry. Like, let's just get that out of the way and just accept that because at the end of the day, if you are hungry, 
it means that you're in a deficit. If you're in a deficit and you feel it, it means that you're definitely in a deficit, which is a good thing because guess what? You came to me to lose fat. So I want you to appreciate the deficit and embrace it, which sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> but I understood, yeah. To an extent, that's the whole like embrace the suck thing. It sounds very hardcore, but it's true. Like if you embrace hard work and you appreciate hard work and you appreciate the grind, man, it's just easier to do the grind. Like you love it. You Relatively. end up loving the process, right? Yeah. Even when you hate it. Yeah. Because you can lay your head on the pillow at night and be like, God damn, that sucked with a smile on your face. Because you're like, I did the work. Yeah. And I'm happy for myself. I appreciate myself. I'm, I'm like, I'm proud of myself for doing it. So I think that to an extent, you have to be able to accept that hunger is part of the journey. And hunger typically means that you're in a deficit. So sometimes I like to tell clients like, hey, if you're hungry and you can accept it, like just, just know that you're checking the box. Like I'm actually doing exactly what I'm supposed to fucking do, right? Then we can start talking about hacks. Hack number one, drink more water. Like you, you, you can die from drinking too much water, but you got to drink a lot of fucking water. So there's always that question of like how much water is really necessary? Well, to stay fully hydrated, you really don't need that much water. Like you don't need to drink a gallon a day. But if you drink a gallon a day, it is going to have a metabolic effect. It's going to keep you full. The only thing you got to make sure is, is that you're eating uh, a good enough amount of micronutrient-dense foods, and you're probably taking a multivitamin. Only because if you drink too much water and you're training and sweating a lot, or you live in a hot place, you'll deplete water-soluble vitamins faster, and you might like run low on vitamin B and things like that. So it's important to supplement with a multi and, and just be careful if you're drinking a lot of water. But that's the first thing I do. Like when I got in this cut, like I got my first form jug that's like, so it's 76 ounces. So that's like two and a half liters, I think. So I drink that and then I drink that big ass shaker, which is like a liter. Yeah, because it's a thousand milliliters. How many? 2.2. 2.2. So I have three liters a day, just over three liters a day. And that doesn't include Rockstar's coffee, um, all that stuff, which people usually would say doesn't count because it's a diuretic, but that's not true. They've actually done studies where people just drink coffee and they're not more dehydrated than people who drink water. Um, so a natural diuretic like that, I'll give you the research if you want. <laughs> It's not saying I believe it. That's hard to believe. Because it I, is hard to believe. Yeah. For years, I told people, no, that doesn't count. Yeah. Pure water. Um, and I still don't count it towards my water totally. only because I want to have more water. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to get in the habit of like, oh, this counts. Yeah. I'll just keep drinking it. Yeah. You know? But uh, but no, there's like, there was a lot of research. Uh, Jeff Nipper did a good video on it. Lane Norton wrote about it in his book. And that's when I started going like, okay, shit, let me look into this because multiple people I respect are saying it. Totally. But it's fact. Um. And, and I want to say, like, I might have misspoke. Maybe it wasn't like this group is only drinking coffee all day, but it was basically like you're drinking, let's say, a liter, and I'm drinking a half a liter of water mm -hmm. and then a half a liter of coffee. Yeah. And our hydration levels were completely neutral together. I'm sure if somebody drinks zero water and just purely drink coffee all day, they might be dehydrated, but yeah. they'd probably have some other shit all fucked up with them too. Totally. <laughs> um, but my point is, is that you drink a lot of water, you're going to stay more full. There is a satiety factor. Um, it's also going to speed up your metabolism a little bit. It's going to help digestion a little bit. It's going to help fat loss. Like it's just, just do it. Um, I personally, I'm 175 pounds starting to cut. I drink three liters a day. That's, that's my goal. And I just knock it out and it does help a lot. Um, movement. And the reason I say that is because there are, uh, there's receptors in your body and there's things that change in your body when you move and it's a distraction tool. So for example, Yesterday, I didn't lift because we were trying to get the football field size flag on the fucking wall. <laughs> and uh, I, I went home. You haven't even announced that yet. I'm going to post a picture about it. Probably before this airs. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'm going to post tomorrow morning. Yeah. Because I wanted to post the YouTube video today. Um, but I, I get, get home on rest days when I don't train. I'm fucking stupid. 
starving. Yeah. But on workout days, I could, I'd be like, babe, you can take another hour. I'm not even like that hungry. Interesting. It's very, it's very interesting. You would yeah. think the opposite. Yeah. But a lot of times when you train, I, I think I actually do know what's going on. When I train, I go into sympathetic mode, right? Cortisol goes up, fight or flight goes up, adrenaline goes up. Those things shut down hunger signals yeah. because I have blood flow going to the limbs, not the, not the gut. Um, when you don't, you're more likely to be hungry because you're in rest and digest mode. Um, but point being is like, this is why like I find doing some kind of training and stuff like that at the times when you can avoid hunger is helpful, right? So if you know that you're always hungry around this period of time, maybe you train at that time or train right before that time, right? Same thing with like, if you train in the morning or you do cardio in the morning and you know you're always hungry after cardio because cardio is a little bit different. Cardio, especially low intensity cardio, it doesn't kick you into that high adrenaline mode. And there, there is studies that show like you will be hungry after cardio. Like cardio is going to cause you to be hungry. So for those who eat breakfast and then go do cardio and then are hungry again, why don't you just swap? Do cardio fast in the morning, not, not because fasted cardio is going to burn more fat, but because you know you're going to be hungry after cardio anyway. So get done with the fasted cardio and then go eat, right? It's going to be easier to control. Um, eat less meals. So a lot of people go into a diet, like right now I eat five meals a day, but when I'm 500 more calories cut out of my diet, I'll probably eat three meals a day. I'd rather have three big ass meals that fill me up than five little tiny meals that I like I finished and I'm like, fuck, God damn irritated. It. Yeah, that was disappointing, you know? Uh, and so there's little things like that that work. Obviously more more fiber, high volume foods, lots of water. Um, caffeine is, is I know like not the best thing. Look up how much caffeine your body weight can tolerate and then make sure you test it out because some people can't handle as much. But caffeine is an appetite suppressant. That's why some fat burners work because there are things like caffeine in them that suppress appetite. But you can also drink things like green tea and stuff like that have way less um, caffeine and some other herbs and uh, nutrients inside of them that actually help curb your appetite as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, for the most part, those those are like the big hit home things. And that's also to me, I'm like, I always tell people, this is why you should periodize diet because if you're constantly dieting and trying to lose fat and constantly fucking up on the diet and going back and starting over and you're going through a cycle, you're always going to be battling cravings and hunger because you never give your body a break from the diet. That's why we periodize clients nutrition. We put them through a diet with intention. We tell them you're going to be hungry. We're going to work through it. We're going to show you how to hack the system. We're going to crush the phase of dieting and then we're going to get you the fuck out of there so that you can eat normal food and fill up. And it's like, uh, I'm stealing this from somebody. I can't remember who said it, but they said like a fat loss diet is like battle. You get in, you kill, you get out. So if you're getting into a diet, you get in, you get the job done and you get the fuck out of there yeah. and get back to eating normal. So yeah. Yeah. touche. <clears throat> All right. That was the last question for today. Um, again, go check out the YouTube video. We are getting back on the platform. We'll be doing weekly videos every Thursday. So yeah. Please go subscribe. Go like the channel. Um, share it with some friends. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, as always, guys, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you take a screenshot of the show. Share it on your story. Tag myself at Cody McBroom. And we'll catch you guys next time.